everybody, welcome to another episode, episode 201 of Two Throw Over Noise. I'm one of your co-hosts, my name is Jeff. Joining me, as always, is the other part of the show, Mark A. Johnston. Mark, how you doing? I'm, I'm, I'm exhausted, I just did 200 episodes. <laughs> well, if you, if you notice, we did do the rebranding. We are now Two Throw Over Noise. We're only going to reference it here in the show, and nothing else will change anywhere else. Well, that's it's a soft uh, rebrand. Definitely uh, add some excitement to the uh, to yeah. the zone here. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, it's a uh, Mark. It's a great time to be a baseball fan right now. We've got college baseball and softball have started up uh, about a week ago. Pitchers and catchers have reported. World Baseball Classic teams are practicing. It's I, I've been watching a lot of baseball and I'm very encouraged because both college baseball and softball, there are a lot of real stirrups going on this year. Yeah, that's good to see. I'm, I'm not sure everybody knows how to wear them. I see a lot of stirrups uh, coming loose and flapping in the wind uh, in the middle of innings. They'll have to learn. They'll have to learn. You know, so they say fashion is cyclical. Yeah, I got to make sure they know what, you know, the horseshoe goes in the front or the back and how to keep (laughs) those on. That's right. Stuff there. All right. Well, let's get into our BP segment here. This is show 201. So I feel like we pretty much know how to do this, but let's get into our BP segment just so we warm up properly here. Hall of Fame inductees this last week, the announcement was made for what hat they will be wearing when they go into the Hall of Fame. So Scott Rowland is going to be wearing a Cardinals hat, which for some reason for me, when I think of Scott Rowland, I think of Philadelphia. But hmm. yeah, I always think I always think Cardinals when I think of, of Scott Rowland. That's funny. So let's see. Scott Rowland, 17 years, seven in Philly, six in St. Louis. And then four with Cincinnati and two with Toronto. Those are six lost years for me because I don't remember him playing for either the Reds or the Blue Jays. But Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. So what what did you think about uh, his induction? Oh, I was all for it. I like it. Uh, I was for it last year. I was on the Scott Rowland bandwagon last year. Uh, I'm all for it. I love third basemen. I know, you know, there's a lot of controversy around this stuff, but I don't care. I'm all for it. Uh, I was also all for Fred McGriff, though. That's true. And what about what about Jeff Kent? See, now (laughs) I have I have a hard time separating my personal feelings, just like Kurt Kurt Schilling does not deserve to be in the Hall of Fame. He he was a great postseason pitcher. He was not a Hall of Fame regular season pitcher. But uh, yeah, Jeff Kent, I got a hard time. That guy is such a tool. He's got the same numbers almost as as Rowan. It's just weird. Yeah, he's just, you know, he just did not like the media and treated everybody, everybody like, you know, it was a a chore to be doing whatever he was doing. (laughs) Baseball's hard work, my friend. You know, it's not as hard as washing your your dirt bike in the back bed of your pickup truck and then hurting (laughs) yourself. (laughs) <laughs> no, that's intelligent. No, so I did want to get to this. The Fred McGriff hat. He's going to go in with no logo. What? Yeah. Now I'm a little, little upset here. Now, Fred McGriff, 19 years in the big leagues. Believe it or not, he played the most with Tampa Bay. He played five years with the, with the Rays. He also Weird. spent five in Atlanta and five in Toronto. Yeah, three with the Padres, two with the Cubs, one with the Dodgers. So really, there's, I, I mean, really, I think Atlanta or Toronto is what you've got to pick between here for the, if you were going to pick a, an actual logo. But I'm wondering why they didn't just slap a Tom Amansky logo on it. <laughs> right? That's what he's known for. Exactly. Throw that in. I bet you Tom Amansky would love that. Tom in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. There you go. So uh, something happened last week. Jay's manager, John Schneider, who, by the way, is not the Dukes of Hazard. Oh, he's not? Is, was that John Schneider in the Dukes of Hazard? I think. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, well, I don't know, but I'm still looking into that. I don't think it's the same one. It is the Blue Jays manager, though. He saved a woman from choking at a restaurant last week in Dunedin, down in the uh, the Jay's spring training area. His reward from the restaurant for saving this patron's life, a free beer. Why? Well, I see now there's something to be said about a free beer. Well, I mean, they could have picked up his check for his meal, but no, we'll give you one free drink. 
Thank you so much for saving this person's life. Have yourself a sip. I mean, did the person buy him a drink too? Did they or pick up the check? I don't know. But anyways, this got me thinking about a couple of other heroic baseball players who've actually saved lives while in uniform. So first we've got Doc Medich. He did it not once, but twice. He used his medical training while in uniform to help people out in need. In 1976 in Philadelphia, he performed CPR and mouth-to-mouth resuscitation on a 76-year-old fan who was having a heart attack in the stands. They uh, did get him to a hospital, but unfortunately he did pass away later that day. Then two years later, in 1978, he revived a man who was also suffering from a heart attack in the stands. That dude survived and lived several more years, thanks to Doc. Wow. Now, it's not all great and happy for Doc. He lost his license to practice after being found guilty of several different counts of things like prescribing painkillers improperly to his friends and so forth. What? (laughs) Who would do that? He was also, though, on the mound for pretty famous stolen base in Milwaukee in 1982 because uh, he was on the he was on the bump when Ricky Henderson broke Lou Brock's record for most stolen Uh, bases in in one season. The other the other uh, one that I remember being heroic in a baseball uniform was Jim Rice in 1982. Line drive foul ball hit a four year old in the Fenway stands in the head. Rice jumped into the stands from the dugout, carried the child to the field where the Red Sox team doctor rendered aid. The boy was taken away in an ambulance in the hospital for five days. The family was really struggling financially to begin with. And when Rice found this out, he paid all of the boys' hospital bills. That's pretty impressive. Yeah, doctors say his quick actions prevented permanent damage or might have even saved his life. Rice went on to play the rest of the game that day in a blood-covered uniform, going one for four with two RBI. Wow. So very impressed. And then, of course, Rice also has a connection with Ricky Henderson, just as Doc did, because he was inducted into the Hall of Fame in 2009, along with Ricky Henderson. There you go. Like how that all comes back to Ricky every time. Every time. Every time. Uh, We want to give a shout-out here, a special uh, two-throw-over-noise shout-out to the star of last week's episode, Pete the Brewers fan, who has since that episode left us five more voicemails. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Pete. Hey, if anybody knows Pete, can you please check in on him? I'm just, I'm a little worried that his stress level's a little high. Now, I think Pete might be trolling us, but I hope Pete's trolling us, but get better. (laughs) All right, I asked a trivia question last week, and uh, it was this. Who are the only players to have won a World Series in Major League Baseball and a title in the NPB, in the Japan Series, the Climax Series, whatever they're calling it this year? Hey, Mark, I know you've rendered a guess. I do. And uh, who do you think it might be? Well, I I got to admit that uh, a listener kind of turned me on to this by sending in an answer, but... uh... After I thought about it, I thought he's got to be right. It's it's got to be Dan Gladden. Well, can we give credit to the listener who told his you name this? Is, I, I wanted to I wanted to tell you his name is Jeffrey Trotter, and uh, Dan Gladden is his all time fa- favorite baseball player. Wow. Well, so there you go. Well, this is good because uh, you are correct. First of all, Dan Gladden is the answer. Well, is one of the answers. Hideki Matsui also. 1994, he won the Japan Series, and then with the Yankees. That was kind of a gimme from a couple of weeks ago. And then a couple of other Japanese players, Daisuke Matsuzaka and Koji Uahura, Uahara, I can never say his name right, also won World Series both with the uh, with the Red Sox. But Dan Gladden is the only American-born player to have done both. So good there. Now, I was looking up something on Dan Gladden because I saw his nicknames. One of his nicknames is Wrench, which I had not heard before. Apparently, Twins fans know this nickname. It's short for Mr. Goodwrench. And this oh, okay. came from Kent Herbeck. And he said that, uh, that uh, Dan Gladden looked like he had finished performing an oil change on a car at all times during a game. He said, quote, he reminds me of a guy who took four auto shop classes in high school. Dan could strike out four times in a game and somehow get dirty. That guy is a piece of work. End quote. 
So that's how he got the nickname Wrench. Now he's also nicknamed Dazzle. And I have no idea. I could, I, nobody, there were several references to his nickname being Dazzle, but I couldn't get to the bottom of how he came about that nickname. But I did get this little uh, nugget here. Dan Gladden has two daughters, one of whom married Gary Gaetti's son. Oh, wow. So keeping it in the twins family. Now, if they had twins, how that would be. Yeah. So uh, let's see. We've got a couple of uh, the usuals that got the answer right here. Of course, Brian Krause uh, came in strong. Uh, Shane Swarznak, Dan Clark. And I think this is the same person that that uh, wanted to be known as Ricky Henderson sucks last week. He uh, this week wants to go by Nolan. No Cy Young's Ryan. <laughs> so, so nice guy yeah right. just remember Cy Young doesn't have a, a single Cy Young to his name either true so. Cy Young never won it chill out there all right uh next question i we're getting close to debuts which is exciting for me because I, yes, I like debuts yes. a lot but uh another trivia question here we're gonna go back to some stolen base trivia i tend to live in that uh, that area who is the tallest player to ever steal a base Ooh. oh by the way speaking of tall nothing to do with trivia Mark, I was just telling you before uh, before we started here, I uh, had a, a tryout this week for uh, a men's hardball wood bat baseball league, and uh, it was in Livermore, California. I played on the field where retired out there in left field was number 51, Randy Johnson. Ooh. His high school. So that's pretty wow. cool. I thought that's that was pretty cool. cool. I, I saw these numbers and I'm like, uh, Johnson. I'm like, oh, that's very nondescript. And then I saw the number 51 and I'm like, wait, he, uh, <laughs> he's from the Bay Area here. And I put two and two together. So there you go. Nice. Thought that was pretty cool. All right. So uh, that's going to do it for our BP segment. Grounds crew is out here. They are in midseason form already, moving stuff around chalking it they've got that string from home plate all the way out to to right field and left field so they can chalk the lines perfectly and uh we are going to get on with our with our uh, main portion of the show here i have no idea what we're going to talk about today mark this is all on you to carry it all right i uh i just made stuff up oh, okay um, so it's our, our usual research <laughs> no uh actually i'm going to talk about um the fashion race course series this was in uh, ni- or, excuse me, 1858, and it was uh, what we call the first All-Star game. It was also the first uh, game to charge a paid admission, and um, it's a very important game in the history of baseball, and I'll tell you why. The fashion race course uh, used to be called the National Race Course, and in 1856, the owners of the course changed it to the Fashion Race Course, naming it after... The horse named Fashion. Oh, Ever I thought heard of the horse named Fashion. No, I thought it was named after Stephen Fashion. Ah, no, a horse named Fashion was famous enough to have a course named after, but not famous enough for me to know who the heck it is. Oh, yeah, I don't know. I know uh, Secretariat yeah. and Man of War. Seattle Slough, man. Seattle Slough. There you go. <laughs> so they decided to play it out at this uh, this race course. Baseball uh, at the time was governed by the NABBP, the National Association of Baseball Players, and they were all for the idea. They picked out the fashion race course and they set it in the enclosed grandstand area. This was actually the first time baseball game had been in in an enclosed grandstand type area. Uh, They decided to play a best of three series, one in July, one in August, and one in September if needed. The Brooklyn All-Stars would play the New York All-Stars. This is when Brooklyn was its own city. I think New York was just Manhattan at the time. They decided they were going to play the best of three. The New York Stars won the first game 22-18. to 18. Pitcher's duel. <laughs> a pitcher's duel. And you got to remember the rules back then are a little wonky too. On this, on this game of what the, uh, the New York Stars was, future Hall of Famer Harry Wright. We got a little, we dropped one name in there. Game two was in August and Brooklyn moved uh, their pitcher, Matty O'Brien to third base. Shrewd move. That is, I thought so. Manager earning his money. This guy's important. Frank Pigeon, Frank Pigeon, the Brooklyn shortstop. He became the pitcher. Dickie Pierce of the Atlantics was took over at short. So Brooklyn easily won this game. 29 to eight. Uh, New York's pitcher, Tom Van Cott, 
He had uh, thrown 198 pitches in game one, came back to throw 270 pitches in a losing cause. Frank Pigeon, of course, outdueled him with uh, 290 excellent, solid pitches. So they 290 and 270 pitches. Yeah, nice slow game. I'm sure uh, plenty of time to get snacks in between innings. The third game and deciding game, September 10th. Um, Brooklyn, after it had completely crushed uh, New York in the previous game, was a big favorite. They went in and they were pretty confident, and they shouldn't have been because New York handily won 29-18. Joe Gelston hit a leading off, leadoff home run that was followed by six more runs before the side was retired. And of Pigeon's eventual 436 pitches in the game, 87 came in the first inning. So it was a little rough. <laughs> but for a deciding game, when does the manager decide he's got to make a move? Because <laughs> that seems like that might be the time. You got to remember, they only had nine players on each game. There was no bench. Yeah, but so, you got to bring in you got to bring in the right fielder at that point. <laughs> you got to imagine at some point they had to get his arm and reattach it because. <laughs> That's just nuts. Any word on how many walks in that first inning? Doesn't say here, but uh, back in those days, it's like eight ball, eight balls to get eight a walk. Balls. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. Interesting. I, I got some other stuff about that here coming up soon here, but um, okay. So the makeup of the teams: the New York Nine had two players from each of the New York Knickerbockers, the Eagles, the Gotham's, and the Empires, and they had one player from the Unions. The Brooklyn team had three Atlantics and two players each from the Excelsiors, the Exfords, the Exfords, sorry, and the Putnams. All teams that we've discussed at one point or another. You know, back in the, uh, I don't even know what to call these the golden days of baseball. These were the early days. The pop-up days. (laughs) Yes, early days of baseball. There were a lot of firsts that happened in baseball that day uh, or in the fashion course games. You know, the first all-star game, first paid admission. They actually had to charge admission because they had to set up the baseball course inside the fashion race course and put some seats in and so on like that. So they actually charged admission and people, people paid, believe it or not. It wasn't uh, $400 a ticket back then. Well, what was it? Uh, It was like a, like a button. (laughs) It was a subway token and no. Stale candy corn? No, I don't know how much it was to get in. It was, well, then you don't know that it was not $700. <laughs> I read it somewhere. It was, had something to do with like about a third of a day's pay. Let's see. Although not planned as a fundraiser, admission was charged only to cover expenses. The match, though, was a financial success. Oh, well, that's good to know. Um, some other things that happened there. Um, First baseball game played in an enclosed park. We talked about that. So did that mean that there was a wall out in, center, yes. out in the outfield? Yes, there was a fully enclosed park. You couldn't just run for an hour and a half if you hit oh, it. Oh, so center. I'm guessing it's probably not exactly similar, but the polo grounds, right? That was made for polo. So it was right. kind of uh, long, elongated as opposed to the baseball, you know, that we're used to where it, it's essentially a diamond. So I'm guessing this is the same case. I'm guessing it was probably like 892 feet to dead center field, but there was still a wall there for the first time. Yeah, the, exactly. It was fully enclosed. There were almost 15,000 paid admissions by the time of the end of the three games. Uh, they were promoted by none other than Henry Chadwick, the baseball rules expert and uh, the editor of the Spalding Baseball Guide. Uh, here's something interesting that happened. In the third game of the series, umpire Doc Adams of the Knickerbockers called three men out on non-swinging strikes. Ooh, this got is him the looking. First time, first time that it ever happened. Was there an argument? It doesn't say there was, but uh, you would think somebody might go, hey, man, I didn't swing at that. Or did, did they not get in the batter's box quickly enough, and so there was an automatic strike I, called? I don't think that rule was no. uh, uh, the, was part the, of it. The, yeah, yeah. the clock did not run out. Okay, just checking. Um, some interesting notes from the games. In game one, uh, Brooklyn catcher Joe Leggett got charged with 11 passed balls. 27 of the outs in that first game were fly balls caught on the first bounce. That was the rule back then. Yeah. You catch it on one bounce, you were out. 27 of the outs were fly balls caught on the first bounce. So half of the outs for the entire game were on one bounce. That's Does right. that even like if you one, you know, a one hopper to the shortstop, that counts as like a, a fly out to short? 
Yeah, I think so. Not not a lot of ground balls, I'm guessing. <laughs> you didn't have to pick it up and throw it first as long as you cut it on one bounce. According to the local papers, Brooklyn took defeat gracefully and smiled good-humoredly and hoped for better luck another day. Sure they did. Go get them. Okay. <laughs> so uh, September 10th, rubber match, perfect weather, about 5,000 in the crowd, seven runs in the first inning, eight more in the middle innings. The game was 15 to six. Brooklyn went on to score 12 runs in the last three innings, but New York scored 14. Winning of the game and the Fashion Race Course Series 29-18 to 18 in the very first All-Star game. I'm, uh, I'm looking through the internet here, and there is an auction, at least there was in 2005. Yes, yes of all a lot of the items from this game. One of them is an 1858 Fashion Course Game Trophy Ball. That It, it wow. looks like it's one of the lemon peel balls... That they uh, that they played with at that point, and it is in a ornate box, and it looks like the golden snitch from uh, Harry Potter because <laughs> it's gold and it's got a ribbon that looks like it, it's got wings next to it. But uh, that sold for four hundred ninety-eight thousand dollars. Ooh, wow! I mean, that's a really cool. That's a really cool item. I mean, if I had five hundred thousand dollars to burn, I might consider oh. it. Yeah, I mean, here you go. You got your first All-Star game. Here's the ball. But, uh, yeah, just on the budget I'm on right now, it might take me a little bit to save up. You could probably paint a tennis ball gold and put it in a to-go box from dinner last night. (laughs) No, then it would get uh, that uh, buffalo sauce all over it. Anyway. Oh, wow. Well, Henry Chadwick has signed a photograph in this as well on this display case box. A much bigger name than Henry Chadwick. Um, so, Mark, we're looking at the uh, at, at some auctions from the past of when these went on sale, and it got me to thinking because I was looking at some auctions of, of game memorabilia, specifically Ricky Henderson stuff that I can't afford. But I found something really cool. It has nothing to do with the, the fashion uh, race course stuff you're talking about here. But I found this. Uh, Tom Glavin is apparently put a bunch of his stuff up for uh, for auction i found a pitching chart of tom glavin's 150th win really which is cool enough at, at, you know as it is but if you remember back in the day usually the next day's starting pitcher would be the the person that would chart each game yes well the next day's starting pitcher was greg maddox <laughs> Now that's cool. Yeah. So this is a, uh, it's a, you know, Tom Glavin 150th victory pitching chart as charted by Greg Maddox. The current bid is only 260 bucks. That surprises me. Uh, six days left. I know. I'm like, I'm, I'm thinking about it because that's a really unique, uh, I, it doesn't look like it's signed. Right. But this would be something you could get signed by both Maddox and Glavin. Mm-hmm. And I mean, mm-hmm. this is unique. This is a one of a kind thing here. Big time. Yeah, that's I mean, where else are you going to find something like that? That's amazing. Yeah. I mean, it's either this or, or Andrew Jones 2001 Gold Glove Award. I'm not Ooh, sure cool. which one. Yeah. I mean, there's I spent like <laughs> I got a little distracted one day at work going through these. <laughs> Because there's a lot of game-used Ricky Henderson uh, gloves and shoes. And, and then I just started looking at every, you know, all the stuff. And there's a lot of really cool stuff out here. I mean, if you want Tom Glavin's equipment bag, it's uh, currently at 170 bucks, So it's affordable. It is an equipment bag. It's uh, Yeah, it's a big thing with the number 47 on it. So, All right. Well, I thank you, Mark. I'd never heard of the fashion race course. And if I if anybody had said that, I would have never assumed it it had anything to do with baseball. Yes, it was very fashionable. All right. So uh, let's get on to the final segment of the show. That is uh, where we open up some uh, old baseball cards and inevitably Mark scores higher than I do whenever (laughs) we choose to play Wax Packs. Wax Pack Hero! Gotta pull the wax! Hero. Hero. All 
right, Mark, looking at the scoreboard, uh, you've taken the lead 17 to 16. It's still, it's close, but I'm very disheartened after last week's game. Today, we've got a couple of packs of 2,000 tops. So these only have eight cards in them each. So it's going to be a a quickie, but they also have uh, random inserts of uh, Henry Aaron and Mark McGuire in them. So, yeah, we can uh, possibly get a boost there. If you are new here, uh, a couple of rules here. We will take a look at the baseball reference war of each of the cards from the year of the card, as I said, in the year 2000. In this case, we'll add those up, but uh, we've got some modifiers that can add or subtract anything on the player's face. That means glasses, mustache, eye black. Anything like that, that's an extra tenth of point of war if they're wearing real stirrups like all these uh, kids in college are doing these days, uh, which we're all for. You get ten, an extra tenth of a point. But if they're wearing the two-in-ones, we're going to take away a tenth of a point because that's not cool. Sweatbands with your caricature, jersey number, any of your final three seasons played for the Mariners. Two flaps or no flaps on a batting helmet or batting without gloves. Those are all an extra, those are all an extra tenth of a point. If the player won, uh, if the player won an award in this year, Rookie of the Year, Cy Young, no Nolan Ryan points there. MVP, All Star, Gold Glove, that's a half a point. If there's a Hall of Famer in the picture of the card, whether the focus or not, that's a whole point. Uh, I think again, Mark, you're going to miss out here. Uh, Nolan Ryan shows up at any point. Mark gets five points. And if Ricky Henderson shows up, I get five points. We're also going to both pick a team. And uh, if that team shows up in either pack, we're going to get a half a point. So, Mark, who are you going to choose this week? I I think I'd like to go with Hank Aaron's uh, Braves. Uh, Are you going to go with Atlanta or Milwaukee or Boston? I'm going to go with whoever he's going to be on in those insert cards. Yeah, I I don't think he... I'll go with with Atlanta. Yeah, I, I don't think he played for the Boston Braves. It no. could be, could be wrong. There. All right. Well, you're going to go with, uh, well, you know what I'm going to do then? I'm going to go with uh, the Braves rival and a team from New York, which is, you know, where your story was about. So I'm going to go with the Metropolitans. Very nice. All right, Mark, I got these two packs in my hands here. One on my left, one on my right. Which one would you like? Going right. Going right. Okay. So I went, I, I, I'm going to go first again. Just, I'm going to, I'm going to tempt fate here. All right. Some high gloss here. Well, you should have gone with the Brewers because there's a Brewer right on the top. So that's what was uh, I thinking? Yeah. So uh, I remember this guy. Boy, he's uh, he's a big boy here in this picture. He is a reliever, Bob Wickman. Well, the Wickman. Let's see. Fifteen years in the big leagues. Six with Cleveland. Five with the Yankees and the Brewers. Two with Atlanta and one with Arizona. Good news for you in the year 2000. Well, he split time between Milwaukee and Cleveland, but he was an all-star that year. So that's good news for you. Overall, three and five with a 3.1 ERA, 30 saves, 70 and two thirds innings, 55 strikeouts, and an ERA plus of 153. All of that will equal a 1.4 war plus the all-star. That's 1.9. Nice. I think that's going to be everything on this card for you, but that's a good way to start out. Wow, he was traded a lot, and for a lot of names that are familiar, I'm sure, to our listeners, let's see, involved in deals with him throughout his career, Melito Perez, Steve Sachs, Gerald Williams, Pat Listash, Graham Lloyd, Ricky Bonus, Pat Listash, Jason Bure, Richie Sexton, and Marco Scudero. That's wow. Uh, that's a lot of guys. I mean, they traded for and with him throughout his career, but that's a lot of uh, a lot of sure. names that we talk about. Now, I remember Bob Wickman. He had, I don't think it was a farm accident, but uh, one of his fingers on his pitching hand was uh, got got cut off at the tip. So it was a different length, and that helped him get movement on his pitches. Interesting. Yeah, oh, here it is. During a childhood farming accident, because that's what they always are, Wickman lost part of his index finger on his right hand, which he credited much of the sinking motion on his sinker. Interesting. All right. So a uh, good start. Oh, wait, no, this is me, isn't it? So that's a 1.9 for me. I don't know why I was congratulating you on his all-star year. Uh, let's see. Next, we have got... Oh, this is close to being a Hall of Famer in the uh, in the picture. But here I've got second baseman for the Rangers. It's Mark McLemore. And he was with the Rangers. Gotcha. Did he finish his career in Seattle? I'm hoping. I know he played um, for the Mariners. Yep, he did. 
believe so. Yeah, he fit. Let's actually four of his last five seasons were in Seattle. His final year was with Oakland, but I'll get a couple of points for those uh, for this the second, the third to last, and the second to last. Overall, though, 19 years in the big leagues, five with Texas, five with the Angels, four with Seattle, three with Baltimore, and then single years for Cleveland, Houston, and Oakland. In the year 2000, his first year with the Mariners, he led the league in caught stealing. Uh, there you go. That's, the, that's his only bit of black ink his entire career. Was he led the league caught stealing in, 20, in 2000. But he did steal 30 as well. But see, he hit 254, 353 on base, uh, 46 RBI, and a 77 OPS plus. And all of that equals a 1.3. Let's see. On this card, he has got flip-down sunglasses and a uh, mustache. So that'll be a 1.5. Now, I said he's almost got a, a, a Hall of Famer in the picture. He is at uh, at second base here, taking a throw from the catcher and sliding in under the tag is Kenny Lofton. Oh, nice. Somebody that might be a, <laughs> might be a Hall of Famer at some point. One of, those, one of those committees, Kenny Lofton, I'm thinking, might get in. Yeah. All right, next uh, I have got, oh, God. He's on our do not talk about list. We've already talked about him <laughs> to this show as well. Here with the Phillies, it's Kurt Schilling. Kurt Schilling, do the math. All right, let's see. Uh, Kurt Schilling, 20 years in the big leagues, nine with the Phillies, yada, yada. 2000, split the, uh, split the year between Philadelphia and Arizona. Uh, split the split the year with the Phillies and the D-backs. Overall, he went 11 and 12 with the 3.8 ERA. Led the league with eight complete games, uh, 210 innings, 168 strikeouts, a 124 ERA plus. And overall, that is going to equal still equal a WAR of 5.1. Whoa! Uh, and he's got real stirrups on. They're not bloody, but they're real. So that'll be a 5.2. So I'll take that from he who shall not be named. All right. Uh oh. Oh, it's an insert car. I was thinking it might have been uh, Henry Aaron, but uh, it is. Uh, I'm sure this will help. It is a special insert, a magic moments card, the 3000th career hit from Mr. Padre, Tony Gwynn. Very nice. So I'll get the Hall of Fame bonus right off the bat. Yep. All right. Let's see. Well, Tony was 40 this year, and it was the first time he had not made the All-Star game since 1988. Only appeared in 36 games. Still hit 323. Of course. (laughs) Well, let's see. And overall, a 110 OPS plus, and that will equal a .4 as he was wrapping up his career. Only played for one more year. Uh, He's an All-Star, though. No mustache here, though. He usually had a mustache, but I'll still get a 1.4 because he's an All-Star. Uh, we've covered Tony many times. I don't think we need to go over all the superlatives. Mr. Padre, Captain Video, all-time great. Next, uh, we've got another Padre here, a pitcher. I think of him more with the Yankees when I think of Sterling Hitchcock. Yes, I think of him with the Yankees, too. It's a great name, though, Sterling Hitchcock. Oh, yeah. It's I mean, you should really have a Cockney name. accent, though, if you're named Sterling Hitchcock. But uh, no, he was born in Florida. So. <laughs> or no, he was born in North Carolina and then went to school in Florida. Overall, for Hitchcock, 13 years in the big leagues, seven with the Yankees, six with the Padres, and then one for the Cardinals and one for the Mariners. But that was in 96. That doesn't help me at all. In the year 2000 with the Padres, oh, I like this. He went one and six with a 4.93 ERA and an 87 ERA+. plus. Uh, overall, that's still going to get me a war of 0.3 in the positive. Well, oh, traded by the Yankees with Russ Davis to the Mariners for Tino Martinez, Jim Messier, and Jeff Nelson. Oh goodness gracious! Wow, they, I mean the Yankees fleeced the Mariners there. Uh, just Jeff Nelson alone. <laughs> yeah, was, but then he was such a great pitcher for them. Then you add in Tino, who obviously yeah. had so many clutch hits for them, and then Jim Messier was a. I always loved him when he was on the A's. I mean, that is a, that's got to be considered one of the worst traits in Mariners history right there. Didn't turn out to be uh, equals to both teams. No, it really didn't. Yeah. And then the Mariners turned around and sent him to San Diego for Scott Sanders. 
So it just gets <laughs> even less successful if you're looking at through a, a Mariner's colored lens. All right, so I'm at 10.3. I got four cards, uh, three cards left. Next, oh, well, here he is with the Reds. I get Reds legend, Steve Avery. Reds legend, Steve Avery. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Obviously, when you think of Steve Avery, you got to think of Atlanta. First round pick in the uh, third overall in the 88 draft. Atlanta chose Steve Avery. Overall, 11 years in the big league, seven with Atlanta, two with Boston, and then one apiece with Cincinnati and one in Detroit in 2003. Unfortunately, uh, there is a gap in his uh, playing career from 1999 to 2003. So I'm going to get nothing there. Now, when he came up, wasn't he like one of the, the youngest pitchers you know, obviously not the youngest, but one of the youngest pitchers to ever make it to the big leagues. And then in the postseason, yeah, he was 21 his first postseason. Yeah, and he I was remember named, something like that. He was yeah. named the NLCS MVP. Yeah. Where he went 2-0 and against the Pirates, uh, 16 and a third innings pitch, nine hits, no runs, no earned runs, 17 strikeouts, and a whip of zero point seven nine six wow that's pretty good his championship win probability for that nlcs was 19.1 percent so avery was part of the the young guns in atlanta that consisted of avery tom glavin john smoltz and pete smith i don't really think of glavin and smoltz as young but that's just because they were around for so long i think yeah all right nothing on this card's gonna help me out either so uh, my second to last card, I got another Hall of Famer. Happy oh, with nice. that. Uh, here he is with Tampa. It is Wade Boggs, RIP. <laughs> Always. No matter how many times you say Wade Boggs, RIP, you will just undoubtedly get uh, some some people asking, he's not dead. Don't you know anything? <laughs> Let's it's see. just like when I always say that Stan Musial was afraid of the dark. I, I really don't know if that's true or not. It was just on a Happy Days episode. <laughs> uh, let's see. Wade Lee Boggs, 18 years in the big leagues, 11 for New York, 5 with the Yankees, 2 with the Rays. Uh, unfortunately, 1999 was his final year in the big leagues. <laughs> but he is a Hall of Famer, so I'm going to get that uh, point. And he's got a mustache, as you can guess. And he's got real stirrups here, so I'll take that. Uh, overall, that'll get me a 1.2 for somebody that didn't play that year. I'll take that. Yeah. Oh, wait, he's got sunglasses on, too. I couldn't see them there. I want to chip myself a point. All right, well, that'll take me to 11.6, and I'm down to my final card here. Uh, this is a, it's a rated rookie card. So it's got the little, uh, tops cup on it. Trophy. Yes. Yeah. Uh, son of a former big leaguer who believes in dinosaurs. It is none other than Preston Wilson. Preston Wilson. Baseball reference lists him as stepson and nephew of Mookie Wilson. <laughs> that just, what? that's kind of incestuous sounding, but, yeah, uh, weird. Preston overall played for 10 years in the big leagues, five with the fish, Three with Colorado, then St. Louis, the Mets, the Nats, and the Astros. In 2000, with Florida, 161 games, led the league in strikeouts with 187. He hit 264, 331 on base, 31 home runs, 121 RBI, and 36 stolen bases. 30-30 season. Man, quietly. I don't even remember that. Yeah, I don't either. Uh, overall, a 109 OPS+. Plus. And that is good for a war of 2.0. Now, he definitely has a mustache here. So that'll be a 2.1. He's got an earring, but uh, I don't think we count earrings. We do not. That's uh, The ear is not considered part of the face at uh, in this podcast. <laughs> no, no. First round draft pick by the Mets in 1992. He was then uh, traded by the Mets to the Marlins for Mike Piazza. Thusly, how Piazza got on the Mets. Then he was traded by the Marlins uh, with Charles Johnson. So uh, a bunch oh, of wow. a bunch of uh, catchers that I think about with the fish were traded with uh, with Preston Wilson. All right, so that's going to do it. You know what? Thirteen point seven is is acceptable. 
Yeah, sure. I had two cards of guys that didn't play the, of the year of the cards. So yeah, that's kind of a bummer. You know, I guess I'll take it. So uh, 13.7. All right, we'll go to your pack now and see what we come up with. Again, uh, oh, wait, you picked Atlanta. Did we? No, we didn't have anybody. for. We had Avery, but he was with the Reds at that right. point. So we didn't have any Mets or... Uh, your first card is uh, nicknamed Super because he played everywhere. It is Super Joe McEwing. He is Super. If anyone was Super, it's him. Sure, I think he's a third base coach somewhere at this point. Let's see. Super Joe, overall, nine years in the big leagues, came up with St. Louis for two years, then the Mets for five, Kansas City and Houston. At the end of his career in 2000 with the Mets, 87 games, he hit 222. 248 on base, two home runs, 19 RBI, a 55 OPS plus, and you are going to start out with a minus 0.2. Good start, good start. Uh, let's see, he does have some flip downs here, so that'll uh, that'll help you out a little bit. It'll only be a minus 0.1. So, <laughs> you know, in, in St. Louis, they've got Big Mac land, like in the upper deck in left field, because Big Mac used to hit home runs up there. Yeah. Well, uh, when when Joe McEwing, who was a, a light hitter, was playing for the Cardinals, the fans created Little Mac Land, which was a little bit lower. <laughs> little Mac Land. That's awesome. Uh, let's see. He's going to apparently he's going to be the bench coach for the Cardinals this upcoming year. So looks like he got a promotion. Chance to work with Lars Nootbaar. Oh, yeah. Look at that. All right. Now, uh your next card is uh, somebody we've talked about, like earlier today, like in the first round, because you've also got Bob Wickman. The <laughs> <laughs> Wickman. So don't need to cover him again. Uh, All-star year. This just wipes out my one of my better, <laughs> better cards. Uh, let's see. Overall, it was a 1.4, plus he's an all-star, so that'll be a 1.9. He'll get a 1.9. I don't think we need to rehash the whole uh, farming incident. But. Uh, <laughs> all right, next you've got a Mariner here uh, wearing a <laughs> navy blue uniform. I love it. Uh, David Bell. Oh, David Bell, yeah. Solid third baseman. Let's see. David Bell, brother of Mike, grandson of Gus, and son of Buddy. Uh, let's see. Overall, 12 years in the big leagues. Philly for four, Mariners for four, Cardinals for four, then Cleveland, San Francisco, and Milwaukee. In 2000, for the Mariners, 133 games, hit 247, 316 on base, 11 home runs, 47 RBI, and 81 OPS plus, and that'll equal a .8 war. Uh, nothing on this card is going to help you out, so that'll just be a .8. No, I mean, obviously, uh, David Bell is the manager of the, the current manager of the Reds, which is it's a tough job right now. Yes, it is. <laughs> I say that as an A's fan. All right. Now, uh, I'm a little disappointed here because we've got an insert card and it's a Henry Aaron <laughs> uh, with the Milwaukee Braves. Now, you said the Atlanta Braves because I asked you specifically, and this is with, uh, with the Milwaukee Braves. So I'm not going to give you that half of <laughs> now, I think what we decided on these, though, is we uh, we decided to go with their best year. Yes. So uh, let's call up Henry Aaron. I bet he had a couple good years. I'm guessing he probably did. And we're going to go with his best year in Milwaukee. Sounds good. All right. So uh, that goes from 1954 to 1965. Jeez. Uh, it looks like we're going to go with 1963, where he was a Hall of... Well, he's a Hall of Famer, obviously. He's an all-star, came in third in the MVP validating, hit 319, 391 on base, 44 home runs, 130 RBI, 31 stolen bases, five caught stealing. The, his whole line is almost black ink here. An OPS plus of 179. And that will equal a 9.1. <laughs> Way to go, Hammer and Hank. Yeah. Well, so let's see here. Of course, he is a uh, Hall of Famer. So you'll get that. He was an all-star this year. So you'll get that. Uh, so that brings you up to 12.8. And uh, Henry single-handedly has almost sunk me there. But that's what Henry Aaron does. This is what what Henry Aaron brings to the game. Yeah, that's what he brings to the table. That's why you drafted him. That's right. 
All right. Well, I can't argue with Hammer and Hank. All right. Next, you have got a pitcher here for the St. Louis Cardinals. A little bit of a letdown after Henry Aaron. It's Kent Bottenfield. Well, they're in the same ballpark. Like, at some point, they may have been in the same yeah, ballpark. Yeah, and I'm not throwing shade at Kent Bottenfield, but, you know, Henry Aaron. <laughs> Kent Bottenfield, nine years in the big leagues. Two with Colorado, two with St. Louis, two with Chicago, two with Montreal. Then the Giants, Phillies, Angels, and Astros. In 2000, he started with the Angels, ended up with Philadelphia, ended up 8-10 and 10 with a 5.4 ERA, 171 innings, 106 strikeouts, 92 OPS+. Plus, and that will equal a war of 1.5, which will put you ahead of me by six-tenths of a point with two cards Oy. left. Oy. It's another battle. Yeah, I'm not, uh, I'm not too, I'm not feeling too good, though. Well, he, Kent Bottenfield was drafted by the Expos, so that should, that's at least feel-good points. Uh, <laughs> let's see, uh, overcame a near-fatal heart condition and uh, turned his attention to music. He has released two independent Christian albums entitled Take Me Back in 2004 and Back in the Game in 2007. Hmm. Currently the head coach of the Palm Beach Atlantic University baseball team where he replaced head coach Gary Carter after Carter died of cancer in 2012. Oh, wow. All right. Uh, next, you have got a draft picks card here. Uh, you've got an Oriole and a Yankee. I'm going to let you choose either of these two because I've never heard of either of them. For the Yankees, it's David Walling. And for the Cardinals, it's Mike Paredes. I'm going to go with um, David Walling. Well, David Walling never made it to the big leagues. Right on. He did, uh, spent four years in the minors, uh, got up to triple A, but never got that call up. So uh, nothing there is going to help you out. All right, next, uh, this will probably get you some uh, some points here with the Rangers. It is Juan Gone, Juan Gonzalez. Juan Gonzalez. Let's see, Gonzalez, 17 years in baseball, 13 with the Rangers, then two with Cleveland, one with the Royals, one with the Tigers. In 2000, his uh, lone year in Detroit, hit 289, 337 on base, 22 home runs, 67 RBI, and a 116 OPS plus, and that will equal a 1.9 war. Uh, he does have a mustache, so that'll take it up to an even two and pretty much ensure your victory with 16.3. Oh, he was traded for Bill Hasselman at one point. Oh, wow. Hasselmania running wild. <laughs> wow. In uh, in the youth league in Puerto Rico where he grew up, he batted cleanup behind Bernie Williams. Oh, wow. And uh, they also faced Yvonne Rodriguez in those league matches. Wow. Pretty good. Some good ball players. Yeah. Uh, his, one of his other nicknames was Igor that uh, he was uh, nicknamed after Igor the Magnificent, who was a wrestler. <laughs> okay. All right, so you're at your final card. You're at 16.3. As long as you don't minus three, uh, a minus three war, you should be uh, pretty happy here. Here we go with um, catcher for the Brewers. It's Dave Nilsson. I do recall Dave Nilsson. So I remember Dave because he's Australian. Let's see, Dave Nilsson, overall... Spent eight years in the big leagues. Uh, unfortunately for you, 1999 was his final year, uh, which means you're not going to minus anything. So you've got the, the victory sewed up. 19, his final year in 1999 was an all-star year. Hit 309, 400 on base percentage. Nice. After 19, 1999, he became a free agent and opted not to sign because he wanted to play for Australia in the 2000 Olympics. Hmm. Okay. Wow. Before leaving, he had been Australia's second highest earning sportsman behind Greg Norman. Wow. Wow. He even appeared for Australia in the 2004 Olympics and wow. then uh, appeared for Australia in the 2006 World Baseball Classic. So, nice. Yeah. He had a, had a keep playing, man. long career. And then he's he's been coaching since then in Australia. Currently lives in Brisbane and the manager of the Brisbane Bandits or was. 
doesn't look like he is anymore. All right, so there you go. Mark, I'm not enjoying this. You are now up to 18 wins. You're two away from winning it. 18 to 16 is the score. Not my best pack there, but uh, I'll, uh, I'll go and reflect in my locker and hopefully come back next week. You know, maybe maybe I can give you some pointers on this game here. Should I flip the, flip the spread or just... <laughs> All right, so that's going to do it for this uh, edition of Wax Packs Heroes. Uh, also going to start to wrap up the show. If uh, you want to get a hold of us, there are several different ways you can do it. We've got a phone number, which uh, is, if you want to know, just ask Pete, the Brewers fan, because he's not listening anymore at this point. He does not like Wax Packs Heroes, so uh, he is no longer listening. Uh, if you want to, though, it is 607-213-8811. Just leave us anything you want us to talk about something you want to uh tell us that you don't know what ops plus uh how it's different than ops i go ahead uh leave us a message you can also find us on all the socials twitter instagram or on facebook Uh, all those links will be in the show notes mark also you have an email address you would like people to use or you can write to us on electronic mail at two strike noise at gmail.com spell it out t-w-o strike noise yeah, so that is still two strike noise. You know, don't send anything to two throwover noise because we're not going to get it. It's just no, so we don't have a clue how to even spell that. Yeah, it's just in show. So uh, it is still two strike noise. But uh, everybody, thank you once again for joining us, and we will see you next week on another episode of Two Throwover Noise. <laughs> thank you. God bless you. Have a great day. 